0: resurrection mean living in 2022. What difference does it make? Something that took place a few thousand years ago. What does it, difference does it make today in our lives? Any of you been able to go to Egypt and go to the pyramids? All right. A few of us. Fantastic. I would love to go to the pyramids. They're famous. One of the reasons they're famous is they contain the mummified bodies of the Egyptian kings. They are famous pyramids. I've been to India. I almost said Italy. I haven't been to Italy. I've been to India. Sadly, travel. That's, a, that's a long trek. How many of you have been to India? Where's Casey? I know Casey has. All right. Here, here. All right. A few of us have been to India. You've been to the Taj Mahal, correct? Taj Mahal, yeah, back here, all right, went all that way and wasn't able to go to the Taj Mahal, (laughs) it was still a long ways to go, Uh, I was nowhere near the Taj Mahal, did you know the Taj Mahal was built as a memorial to a wife of one of India's shahs, it is a famous memorial, I've been to Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C., I was there for a funeral of a friend's dad. 639 famous acres 639 famous acres of what seems like an endless field of white tombstones have you been to a famous grave perhaps so and so was buried here right and we look at that we look at that tombstone and we go wow so and so was buried here famous because of the famous individual that's buried right there under the ground at that spot. There's one more famous tomb, famous not because of who's inside of the tomb, but famous because the tomb is empty. That's why we're here this morning. That's what we celebrate. My goal this morning is to attempt to unpack what an empty tomb means in really the chaos of everyday life. How does something that took place over 2,000 years ago, how does that matter to our lives? How does the empty tomb speak to the pain and confusion of a pandemic, war, genocide, and unthinkable suffering around the world? We say he rose, and that's great. But what difference does that make in my life living in 2022? My life Perhaps you might be here, but you say, my life is in chaos this year. Forget forget this event that happened 2,000 years ago. I want to boldly make a claim that what happened in that tomb 2,000 plus years ago matters to your life today. It matters to your chaos. It matters to a war in Ukraine, a pandemic around the world, and so much more. Pause with me. Let's pray. And we're going to dive into this text. Lord, I thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your grace and your mercy poured out on our lives, Lord. I want to thank you for the opportunity that we can gather and celebrate all that you've accomplished. Lord, having been here just a couple days ago on Friday night, considering, meditating, singing about, preaching, about the cross and all that you accomplished on the cross. Now we gather here Sunday morning and we consider this famous tomb is famous because nobody's there. Praise be to our God. Lord, speak to each and every heart this morning, we pray, as we preach your word. By your spirit, move upon our souls, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one, Christ is risen means we can have peace in the midst of the chaos of our lives in 2022. What John is doing here in the text that Christian read for us gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the lives of the disciples, a glimpse of their lives, which were in utter chaos in the in the recording of this episode it was in chaos their lives were in chaos because well jesus has just been crucified a few days ago they are full of fear and doubt these disciples these these disciples who had followed christ more closely than anyone else on the face of the earth are cowering in fear and filled with doubt these disciples. We might think, but wait, how could they be doubting they have literally 300 plus prophecies that would have spoken to them about all that's taken place thus far, that Jesus has fulfilled in his life and in his death. Jesus himself had told them that he was going to die and rise from the grave. How is it that they would be filled with fear and doubt? we might think they would be rather than full of doubt maybe they would be waiting in anticipation maybe they'd go check the tomb daily to see has he has he risen yet because because we know all those prophecies we know what he said to us we, we know he's going to rise is he, is he is he still there he's still there okay we're going to check again later that's not what we see in the disciples Because the chaos that's going on around them in the crucifixion of Christ has them questioning and doubting. When the women women arrived at the tomb and found it to be empty, the Bible tells us that they were confused and afraid. The angel then speaks to them and says to them, He's not here. He's risen just as He said. <laughs> he said it. Told you this was going to happen. Well, I love backstories. I love watching documentaries and getting backstories to this, that, or the next thing. John 20 is a bit of a backstory to the rest of the story, it's a backstory to what we read of. In Acts, say, or in the letters from Paul or Peter or John. It's a backstory as to why will these guys go on and do what they do? John 20 is telling us why. Why will some of these guys go on to be imprisoned and whipped and martyred for Christ? John 20 is telling us the backstory as to why. So let's look there. We'll go back again to verse number 19, where it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear, they're afraid of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace. Be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. I love how the Bible just so understates things. Do you think so? Do you think they were glad? When they saw the Lord, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so the first thing I want us to see is that Christ is risen means we can have peace in the chaos that is our lives. Jesus comes to them right in the middle of their chaos, right in the midst of their fear and their doubting. Christ has just been crucified. And what we don't see there is that the, 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 the disciples gathered in this locked, closed room, praising and worshiping God, singing, thank you for the cross. That's not happening here in this closed room. They were in utter dismay. Their grief was unthinkable, unimaginable. But not only were they grieving, they were literally fearing for their own lives because we were one of his guys. We're connected to that man that was just horrifically crucified. On that cross. So, for fear of their lives, they gathered behind the locked door. Their hope has been completely smashed at the cross. John writes this account, all of this to help us, because what we'll see is that the resurrection speaks into their lives. It speaks into the chaos that was their lives at that moment. And because it is, we're to to read this as disciples of Christ. For those of you who are followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, we're to read this and recognize, oh, wow, not only does the resurrection speak to the chaos of their lives then, but it speaks to the chaos of our lives today. This world that we live in longs for peace. Wow. Wow. Peace between countries, peace between races, peace between families, peace between marriages. Have you noticed how elusive peace can be? Followers of Christ were utterly devastated as they gathered by that cross a few days prior. They had... Well, it had been slow in coming, but they finally got to the place where they believed that this this man Jesus is the Son of God. They got to that place. They began to believe. They hung their hope on this man. They left their livelihoods to be a follower of Christ. They began to believe. This is our deliverer. Hope has come to us. Someone can now free us from the tyranny of Rome. And then He died on a bloody cross. Maybe they felt duped. Their hope in this Savior, their their hope in this King, the one they were willing to lay all down for and follow, has now died. And where does that leave them? Their guy was m- mocked mercilessly on the cross. and He died in shame. Now instead of a victorious king like they expected, they're cowering for fear of their lives because they're known to be one of his. Bad enough that we were duped, but now what? So imagine there's no peace for them in their chaos at that moment behind locked door it's into that setting that jesus shows up and says to them two times peace be with you peace be with you yeah jesus jesus knew what they needed to hear right there in the midst of their chaos And he knows what you and I need to hear in the midst of the chaos of our lives in 2022. Peace. Familiar words to this crowd, actually. They've heard Jesus speak these words before. Perhaps when they heard him say, peace be with you, they would have recalled the time when they were on that boat. Hardened fishermen who knew how to handle the seas. Who'd probably been in a number of dust-ups with wind and ocean. And yet we find the disciples in fear for their lives on this boat. This storm was was different, a different kind of chaos for them. So they, they go to Jesus who's asleep on the boat and they wake him saying, Don't you care? Like, we're dying here. Don't you care? You, you sleep while we're going to die and perish? Why are you sleeping? And at which time Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves. And when he said, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obeyed him. Or maybe it would have recalled for them to their remembrance when Jesus was seeking to encourage them Regarding his coming death and resurrection, that's literally what he's talking about. When he says to them, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I've come to overcome the world. Peace is what these followers of Christ needed to hear from Jesus and peace is what we need to hear today as well but please understand you and I we don't need to just simply hear a word of kind of vague peace or even peace between nations though we pray for that we desire that we don't simply need peace between family members need to understand when Christ came and said to them peace be with you he's saying something a whole lot more than just kind of addressing some of the chaos that's around them. He's talking about peace between man and God. That's the peace that he's talking about. He's talking about a great, much grander peace than perhaps we're thinking of peace in the family, between family members. No, he's talking about peace with God the Father. And so, well, you need to understand that You need that peace with God. That in sin, sin separates us from God. Sin brings us not like we tend to think. Sin actually makes us to be enemies of God. And what Christ is communicating here in just a few words is the gospel that peace has come to you, that He died on the cross. Hey, friends! Peace be with you. Christ is in the room. He has risen from the grave. We need peace with God more than we need any other peace in this world. And it's actually, it's the peace with God that actually becomes the fuel for peace in this world. Want peace in your marriage? Seek God. Seek the Lord. Want peace in your family? Oh run to the Lord. So then it tells us that Christ shows him his hands and his feet. And we might wonder, well, why is he doing that? Well, these scars are more than evidence. It's not that he's simply giving them evidence. See, I rose from the grave. It it certainly is that, but it's more than that. It is to say that the risen Lord, these wounds, 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 speaks of the, the crucifixion specifically and that it, it, it says to, to them and to us, your salvation has been accomplished. His wounds have paid my ransom. Right? We sing. Isaiah 53, we read it a couple nights ago. We'll do it again. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet he was, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced, wounds, 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 pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Here upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Not simply a world peace, peace with God. Remember, that's where the story of Christ begins, in Bethlehem. It's it's with the announcement, right? It's the lawn ornament that some of you put in your lawns. Peace on earth. Well, it's not surprising that the resurrected Lord would show up in that room and say, Peace, be with you. It's what Isaiah prophesied back there in Isaiah 7, Prince of Peace. So we say, okay, great, but where does that peace come from? Well, it comes from those wounds. It comes from the broken body of Jesus. So he says, peace, and then he shows them peace through the wounds. You have forgiveness with God. Peace with God. Peace be with you, he says. Beautiful words in a world that doesn't know peace. And so I ask you, do you have peace? Do you have peace with God? Secondly, Christ is risen means the brokenhearted can experience great joy. Now, not a surprise, we also heard those words at Bethlehem when Christ first came, right? The angel says, the host, the multitude of angels, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Well, verse 20, I already made reference to it. In the middle there, then the disciples were glad <laughs> when they saw the Lord. And I do just love how understated that is. I'm an exclamation point guy, you know? And so somebody needs to just drop in a whole lot of exclamation points, bold the text, italic, underline, all of that. Not enough said here. You think so? You think they were glad? Makes sense. When you were questioning just a few moments ago and fearing for your life, then to find Jesus in the room speaking to you, peace be with you, yes, we're glad. The natural next emotion is going to be joy. But here's the thing, and it's important for us to notice. The joy comes while the surrounding circumstances have not changed at all. What is still on the other side of that locked door is still on the other side of that locked door. And actually will kill many of them. Everything has changed. Jesus shows up in the room saying, peace be still, and yet nothing's changed. Here's what what that tells us. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Joy is dependent on who's in the room. Christ is in the room and it's making all the difference. The risen Lord just walked in to the room where they had gathered. They're still being persecuted. Most of them will become martyrs. And yet there's gladness. Why? Because peace, salvation has come. Romans says it best. Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, that's fancy words for since we've been saved, it wouldn't be wrong for us to say since he rose from the grave, since he died, rose from the grave, sacrificed on our behalf, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice. It's exactly what's happening here in John. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God you might be new here this morning you might have found some of the singing to be a little bit odd or unusual or why are they clapping or why are they singing or why is there celebrating this is why we're celebrating our salvation that we have peace with God made possible through the cross and the resurrection of Christ so he says but we rejoice in our suffering or he says not only that we rejoice in our suffering I butchered that let's go way back Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He's been given to us. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Brings us to point three. Christ is risen means life has a mission. It's really quick. It's easy to miss it in the text, but we've got to point it out at least briefly. Verse 21 Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You know what the resurrection speaks to in our lives in the midst of the chaos of 2022? If you're a follower of Christ, you live life on mission. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, even so, I'm sending you. Resurrection, the resurrection, literally gives life purpose to the follower of Christ. What you do has meaning. Because of the resurrection. And not just like kind of in some sort of like today sort of way, but eternal meaning when we think of mission. That's why Paul to the Corinthians, he's saying, look, our lives, if there is no resurrection, we're to be pitied. Why? Because life no longer has meaning without the resurrection. But because he rose from the grave, Jesus is saying, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. Your life has great purpose and meaning and mission for the glory of God. Without the resurrection, we're kind of just left with our own selfishness. Maybe even in helping, you know, helping, giving, giving a hand to our fellow man. Wonderful, great, and yet I need to say it rings hollow without the resurrection it's a good deed for the day it maybe helps a person out but we're talking about a much grander mission when we're talking about eternal mission your life has meaning and purpose because the tomb is empty he rose tell the world he rose go on a mission trip we didn't announce it this morning Go to Casa de Esperanza this July with Christian. Why? Because he rose. In the midst of all the circumstances around you, all the chaos around you, all that's going on, live your life on mission. Because he rose. Give to that orphanage that's teaching orphan children The gospel of Jesus Christ. Help Volodymyr and Hosanna Church in Ukraine. As they seek to serve and care for Ukrainian refugees. Not just with food and clothing. Absolutely that. But with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He rose. Gives our life purpose. Fourthly. Christ is risen means new life to those who believe. New life. We sang about it this morning. New life doesn't mean a little tweaking here and there. A little rubbing off of the edges of our lives a little bit here and there. It means new life. You see, to say he is risen isn't just something we say for our information. It's something for our transformation. He is risen. You have been transformed in the midst of all the chaos of our lives. Totally transformed. That's why the Bible uses things like from darkness into light. You have, you were dead and now you have life in Christ Jesus. You have the old man has passed away. The new man has come. And so let's look. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a bit weird. What is he doing? He breathed on them. Christ is actually living out a parable of sorts here. So I want to read to you from Genesis. Genesis. When God breathed in the creation of the world, he breathed on a man. Genesis 2: "When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from a land, from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and, listen, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. God breathed life into Adam. And now Jesus is breathing on his disciples. What in the world is he doing? He's living out a parable. It is to say, I breathe, not your life. I breathe new life into you followers of jesus christ random random by chance i say not let's review they're afraid they're despairing they're cowering hiding behind locked doors they're hurting jesus shows up in their room he says peace be with you they're filled with joy gladness now you have mission in your life and then he breathes on them as to say, I breathe new life into you. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Remember, many of you were skeptics. Many of you can remember living life, perhaps you would say, I was just foul. Perhaps you were just living immorally. Perhaps you were just rejecting the Lord aggressively or perhaps not aggressively perhaps you were just living yeah you know, lord's great but you're indifferent to the lord perhaps you were angry or bitter or all the rest and then christ breathed on you new life in christ You found yourself repenting of your sins. You found yourself trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And the Holy Spirit came upon you and now lives in you. You are a new life, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And suddenly this old book, somehow it came alive to you. Why? Because he breathed on you. New life. Your soul woke up to the glories. They were always there. Some of you think, man, that preacher's starting to get good. (laughs) And maybe so, but that's not what happened. It's that Christ breathed new life into you. We hope to always be growing in our preaching, but that's not what happens there. Suddenly, the preached word matters to your soul, and you rejoice as you hear the word unpacked and preached, or the songs that you sang, suddenly, they were songs that you sang as as a child that had little to no meaning to you, but now, suddenly, oh, my soul is full. Why? What happened? Well, Christ breathed new life into you. you woke your soul up to the glories of the gospel all made possible by the resurrection of jesus christ because it's the resurrection that makes all the difference in the chaos of our lives well lastly and the worship team can join me christ is risen means skeptics are not beyond his reach and can i just say hang with me a few more moments because wow do i love these last verses they are just amazing. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, one of the, one of the closest followers of Christ, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. All right, He wasn't inside that locked door. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Wow. I'll never believe. Look, you duped me once. Unless I can put my hands into... His wounds. Thomas had seen him live. He had walked with him and then he saw him die. The king, the man that we invested all of our life in, I was duped. Nope, not me, not again. I'm not falling for it. Watch how Jesus, when he comes to Jesus, when he comes to Thomas, he repeats back exactly the things that Thomas had said to the disciples. Eight days later, this is verse 26, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Third time, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How about you this morning? Any Thomases out there? Why do I love this section so much? Well, it's, it's, it's partially because of what Jesus didn't do. Maybe how we would have handled it a little bit differently. Jesus doesn't show up and say to Thomas, Dude, really? Really, Thomas? We walked together. You walked with me. You you knew of the raising of Lazarus. Really, Thomas? Come on, Thomas. What's wrong with you, Thomas? How can you not believe, Thomas? We don't hear any of that from our Lord. And maybe you're a skeptic here this morning. You don't hear that from the Lord either. He extends mercy and grace to Thomas. One of the 12. An insider. We think maybe should have known better. Come here, Thomas. Thomas. Put your hand right here. Put your eyes on this. So I want you to see if you're a skeptic here this morning, it's appropriate that you'd be here. Thank you for being here. We like to say at Trinity, there's probably things that we've preached this morning in a brief sermon you've got questions about, you might be confused about. You might even want to argue with us. Can we have that argument? Can we sit down and talk? And say, let me, let, let, let's unpack so much more than, what are we covering, 10 verses or something this morning? Because Christ died for skeptics like Thomas and like you and me. And I believe the resurrection matters in our life in so many different ways, but in the grandest of ways... What it means in 2022 in the chaos of your life is that skeptics can come to know him and find the peace and the joy and the mission of life that has eluded you to this point. So would you stand with me? We're going to sing. We're going to lift our voices. We're going to worship the Lord for a moment, and then I'm going to come back and share a few closing thoughts about this great man, Jesus. Let's sing.